Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey there, Get to Vet, Trevor Maxwell back with you again, and with me as always is my partner in podcasting. Mike Riggs, man, so good to be back on this and uh, getting the word back out to folks. I'm uh, glad to have Jose back again. This is awesome. Let's yeah, get back and, and this is cool because we're actually kind of coming full circle on this, right? Uh, actually, Jose's was one of the first episodes that we did where we talked about filing your VA claim. And that's actually going to be our topic of discussion again with this Uh However, he's picked up some new info that he wanted to share. So we're going to kind of rehash that episode from a long time ago. And uh, Jose will let you say hi and, and say your piece about that. And then we'll get into it. Right on, right on. So thank you, everyone, for having me on again. I really do appreciate it. You know, I, uh, I think I've learned a lot from the first time that we did this. Uh, a lot of it is going to be a recap, uh, but uh, it's always good to to. Uh, review these things because you may have missed something the first time that, uh, that, you, you know, that may be very important as you find your VA claim. So, so once again, thanks again. And, uh, hopefully everyone, uh, that listens to this finds this, uh, information useful in their endeavor as they make their transition and separation from, from the military, whatever service branch that may be. So. And I think in the time period, since we did the last one, mm-hmm. I've done mine. So went through following my claim, and all the associated things after that and the pain points along the way. So, yeah, I think this would be uh, a lot of value added in this. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've, we've, we've all learned stuff uh, from our own experiences. So that's going to be even better. So, uh, okay. So, you know, most of the, how does the VA claim process start? First of all, you're probably active duty in the military. You're getting ready to separate. You're getting ready to retire after a full career um, within the military. And you're asking yourself, uh, you know, uh, what do I do? Where, where, where do I start? And most people go through the tab class, right? We sit down through a week. And the last day of the tab class, it's a Friday. And usually there's a long line of everyone sitting down. You have your medical record in hand and you sit down with the VSO. I'm not going to give specific names for VSOs, organizations, but you'll sit down with a VSO at your base during that TAP class session. And they look through your record and uh, they write a bunch of stuff down on the, on the applications and you think, oh, okay, got it. My VSO's got it. Um, but little do you know that, you know, your, your VA claim process, I think in most cases, people don't understand that they have to start that in advance of their separation or retirement. And there's, there's, there's a specific name for that. Benefits delivered on discharge, BDD claim, right? And that's where you want to be if you're active duty uh, and you're separating or retiring. Six months prior to your separation retirement, you want to start your VA claim. Now, that doesn't mean you can go out in town to the local VSO out in town and do it because what I have found in my experience is that they won't do BDD claims at the local office out in town. The people that the only people that can do the BDD claims are those that are located on base, right? In my experience, at least here in Great Lakes and in Virginia, when I got out um, at the time, uh, my BDD claim was started at Norfolk by the VSO there. Now, everyone may be a little bit different. Things may have changed, but that was my experience then. So 
basic is you need to start that BDD claim six months prior. If you fall under 90 days, so if you hit day 89 uh, and you haven't filed your VA claim, then you will not be able to do it under the BDD claim. And you will have to wait until you separate and you will go under, uh, you will go under the regular claim process, right? Can we talk a little bit about what that means right now as, as far as the timeline? Because um, actually, so, yeah, my Jose actually helped me do my claim. So. So, so yeah, the BDD claim, the purpose of the BDD claim was so that you can get all your medical, the, your comp and pen exams scheduled and completed while you are still on active duty. So then that whole process is completed by the day you separate, by the day you retire, right? And so then you, the idea for the program was that service members will get their benefits sooner rather than later. In other words, you do the BDD claim, you do all your comp and pen exams prior to your separation, you're out at the end of the month, and then the following month, you know, shortly after you've gotten out, you'll get your, your, your VA claim findings, you'll get your disability rating, and you'll start getting paid once all the proper procedures are, are completed. In other words, you have your DD-214 in hand. DFAS has, uh, uh, has converted your active duty account to a retiree or separated account. The VA receives all that information. All those uh, um, transactions are completed, and now you are considered a veteran and not active anymore. So those are the kind of the behind the things, behind the scenes items that need to occur uh, before you start receiving those benefits. All those pay accounts need to be converted from active to retiree, right? If and not, I, it'll, it'll delay it. Especially you need that ED two fourteen. Yeah, and I can't tell you how important this part of the process is because if you don't do this right, or you're not proactive. I've met guys even in our own community, UD community that don't know what BDD is. Right. They, they just don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about it is when, and I'll just use myself as an example and what it affords you, you do your stuff on time. And let's say hypothetically, my command didn't screw me over and not submit my retirement stuff until after I was retired. But it was what it was. That but doesn't happen. Never, never, never. does. Never. <laughs> but right. it, if the, if all the the things align, you retire, especially in my case, at seventy five percent E nine at thirty years. You're, you know, I had a twenty five hundred page plus medical record. What that affords you at the end is an extreme amount of freedom mm-hmm. to and and. Uh, it allows you to assume a lot of risk because you don't have to worry about what's next as much as you do. If you think, if you want to kind of, I mean, I've seen folks get uh, lazy about it too, and just not, not do it until later on, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you know, if you want to, if you want to wait till that, what would it be, you know, $20,000 plus back pay from the VA. If you want to wait seven or eight months or six or seven months or whatever, maybe to get your hundred percent, go ahead, but I don't recommend it. I recommend you getting ahead of the bow wave on this and it affords you a lot more freedoms financially career wise. You can sit around and kind of hand pick and choose where you want to work, what you want to do, 
when you want to do it, you want to take time off with the family and go on a, you know, round the U S you know, road trip and your fifth wheel, whatever you want to do, but it all starts and is so critical to be within that 180 days to 90 days, because if you get behind the eight ball with regards to that, you get, you're not priority anymore. And there is so much that people, I was talking, I had a lunch with a friend of mine the other day uh, when I was in the, back in the UT community and he didn't submit anything because he didn't think he really rated anything. And now that he's 10 years, I think 12 years past his retirement, some of those things are starting to creep up on him and he's really regretting the fact that he didn't even submit anything. You know, we've talked about, I think in the previous episodes, even if you get zero for knee pain, it's in your record as a service connected disability or service connected uh, injury or service connected claim. So when you go back later on and say, uh, my knee is terrible, it's extremely painful. And, you know, you start submitting claims against that. It's already in there and it makes it, the, the, the grease is already on the skids. So I know it kind of went off on a tangent there, but I really want to reinforce how important it is to be ahead of this process and how much it can affect everything or a lot of things moving forward and how it can really affect your decision-making uh, post-retirement or post-separation. Just to second that, what Mike was saying, because I was in that, I think, you know, Jose, I worked with you when I got back mm-hmm. for my last deployment I had four months till I retired. So I had to turn over my team that took about a month, Um, you know, and then I had to, I was lucky enough to get some special accommodations to go, uh, to go down to uh, intrepid spirit. I didn't get to do the full thing where I got to pet horses and stuff like that, like Mike did. So I missed out there missing out, but um, (laughs) on the plus side of that, I grew up with horses. So I I know what that's like. Um, But yeah, so anyways, I came back, I got mine in. I remember, I think at the time, because I had texted you, I was like, okay, here it is, 60 days before. It used to be 60 days was the BDD. And so I took my stuff down to uh, Virginia, uh, Virginia Poly at the Virginia Mm -hmm. Department of uh, Veteran Services. And I got my stuff in. I was like, all right, there we go, 65 days out, BDD. And she's like, no, uh, they they moved that to 90 days. (laughs) I was like, son of a bitch. But uh, so, yeah, I did all my appointments, uh, all my appointments. I did them all like maybe a week or two after I retired. And then I finally got my approval letter uh, about five months later. So if you're wondering like what that's, you know, the difference between doing it and not doing it, you know, right now, I think, you know, because we've we've talked to Earl, another guy we're going to have on for next season. Uh, you know, he was saying that retirement stuff is backed up right now, which also yeah. means VA stuff's going to be backed up right now. Right. And I have, uh, I have a lot to say about that as well, because that's part of the VA claim. Earl is absolutely right. And I don't want to steal his thunder, but apps, uh, absolutely. Um, specifically the Navy, um, is severely backlogged in processing separations, retirements, and getting service members their DD-214s. It's taking some service members up to a month to two months to get a DD-214. Unheard of. That's assuming their command submitted their retirement paperwork, right? Or separation paperwork. Absolutely. That's assuming That's assuming that the service member also knows how to verify and sign their DD-214 
um, and and know how to do all that stuff. You know, I provide a lot of education to active duty Navy, to active duty sailors on how to do that all every day. Every day I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to a sailor about how to do that. So that affects your VA claim. That will affect your VA claim if you're not if you're if you're not on top of it. They won't even tell you what your final decision is until right. you have the actual, no kidding, D two fourteen pasture separation or retirement date. Yep. Then you give it to them. Then they'll let you see the wizard behind the curtain. Yep. And then then you move forward from there. And then you know, like certain states, like you know, you live in Illinois and we live in mm-hmm. Virginia. You know that can have impacts on your property taxes. That can have impacts later on with regards to CRSC, which I think is a completely separate episode that we probably need to do. Um, You know, that I submitted my CRSC the first part of the first week of January of this year, Mm -hmm. and I got my decision back in the first week of May. So uh, there's there's quite the delay in that that's compounded if you don't do your DD24, you don't get your DD214, you don't Mm -hmm. get your VA claim squared away. I used that uh, you probably know the, the the large packet that comes is like 75 pages. It tells you how they rated each uh, yeah. thing that I claimed. I use that as evidence for the CRSC, but that's like I say, that we could spend a whole episode on that, but yeah. um, it, it's such a snowball effect. The D214, the VA claim, the VA's final decision, how that rolls into other things that we have entitled that, that I believe they're entitled compensation towards veterans in the veteran community, but it's all predicated on a timeline and being on top of it, because I, I don't care who you are. If you're a command master chief or you're a first class or you're uh, an 06, guess who is your advocate in this whole process? You are, you are a man on an Island and don't think that the organization that you have dedicated and, and, you know, sacrifice family and everything else for, for all those years, don't have any idea. Don't, don't think that, you know, you have to be there until the last day to ensure that they continue on and off into the sunset. That's complete crap. The day you leave, they're going to replace it with somebody else. And they're going to go, Oh, who was that guy last week that was working there? It doesn't matter. The army, Navy, air force, Marines, and now space force, they're going to continue on as an organization, regardless of whether you're there or not. So if yep. you, you need to wake up and advocate for yourself, because if you don't, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right, right. And, and that's super important. And that's why I hope, you know, those that listen to this can, can really gain uh, a lot of information from it. And I know they will. So, you know, so um, going to back to the BDD claim for a second, what's the eligibility? Because there is program requirements for this kind of claim, right? So in order for you to be able to participate in the pre-discharge program or BDD program, uh, it it allows service members, right, between 180 and 90 days prior to separation to submit their claim. So 180 to 90, those are the those are the in-between lines. We talked about that. You have to know your separation date. So if you already have a separation date and you fall within that window, you can be you can do the BDD. If um, if you're under 90 days, well, you can't do BDD, right? So you need to have a separation. Date. Um, you need to have all your medical records ready to go, right? So that what does that take? A lot of people ask, how do I get my medical records? It's as simple as going to your medical clinic, requesting either hard copies or electronic copies. Some cases you have both, especially a lot of the old timers. Uh, we have both hard copy records and electronic records. So we get get all of them. Hey, Scan quick, all in. quick question on that. Cause uh, you know, in my, my regular business there working with, with folks 
you know, helping them find survivor benefit plan alternatives. I, I get with this a lot where they're like, Hey, I went to medical and asked this guy for my records and he made me fill out. I had to fill out all this paperwork to do it. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there like an official process for that? Or can I just go down to medical and say, Hey, I want a copy of my records. So, so here at the hospital, most hospitals, you'd have to go to release of information or they may call it another title, uh, medical records, release of information, whatever they title it, you go to the, you go to the medical records office at, at your local military hospital. Uh, and, and you make a formal request. You sit here, you sit down with someone at the, at the hospital here in Great Lakes. They have an electronic form. And then two days, two to three days after you make your request, they give you a CD with everything that's on your electronic record, everything. Uh, right. And then uh, let's say, but let's say you're like me or like the two, the two of us here as well, all of us here, you also had a hard copy record. You know, some of us, it goes according to your so social. Some of us had pink and yellow and brown and blue or whatever the case was, but that's kept at your clinic. So then you would go to your clinic and you ask the corpsman or the medic behind the desk, hey, I need to get, I need a copy of my med record. They will have you fill out a medical record request form. It's going to change from organization to organization, but you will fill out a medical record request form. That means some e-nothing has to sit in front of the, in front of the copier and, and make single copies of your entire record. That's yeah. why so many of us, that's why so many of us you know, we take advantage of the system whenever we PCS. And you know how when we PCS, when we go to a new duty station, they give us everything. Well, back then, they used to give us your service records, your medical record, and everything else that you took with you in a mm -hmm. big envelope. And guess what medical got? Medical never received your record. Why? Because you kept it. Yeah. And I, and I kept it, and everyone else keeps it. So, But then that does you a disservice because now you keep your medical record in the trunk of your car, and then you forget that it's there or you keep it in your file cabinet or you put it in storage. And then uh, two years down the line, uh, you forget that it's there. And then you're, you're angry at medical because they lost your medical record, which they do, but not all the time is it our fault. So there's all those nuances, but yes, there is an, there is an official uh, request form to request your hard copy and your electronic records. And every, every medical has a different process, but it should be, it should the end result should be the same. Issue, yep. issue. And, and it's easy to forget dental make sure you go get yes. that and the yes. other thing mm -hmm. that is under another layer of security a lot of times is mm -hmm. the mental health record so yeah. anybody who's done seen medical mental health for anything mm -hmm. that usually resides under another layer of security and you have to go specifically to them yep. to have them give you a copy of it so absolutely and, and um, then don't forget don't forget civilian records too guys you know absolutely Sometimes Absolutely. civilian records never make it to your military record. Why? Because it's your responsibility to go to that civilian clinic, that, that civilian doctor that you saw when you were overseas or when you were doing these remote duties uh, and they sent you out in town and you have to request, you have to sign a release from them. You have to say, Hey, I need a copy of my records. And then you have to go to your clinic and you have to go to the hospital and say, I want you to put this in my record. Yep. Great example. Glad you brought that up because I was using mm -hmm. a chiropractor out in town under my wife's insurance, mm -hmm. went to them, got those records included that with my claim as well to talk more in depth about the back problems I was having. So absolutely great point. So, so, so that's, so that goes in with, uh, you know, all your medical records and then, and then to be part of the BDD, you have to, you have to be a, available for, uh, they say here 45 days from the date of the claim is submitted. So if you submitted it today within the next 45 days, you got to be available. 
available for what? Available to complete all your VA exams. So this is not something you do before your, your last training cycle and you want to do a, a turnover with the new chief or the new NCO, whatever. No, you know, you, when you submit your claim, you got to be level-footed somewhere where you can be available for a phone call, an email, or, or something that, say, that will let you know, hey, these, here's your appointments. You need, to, you need to be at them. You can't miss those appointments. This is not one of those that you can say, ah, whatever, I'll schedule next week. I'll just call the clinic. No, 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 no. You have to make all of them because it's just, it's so difficult to schedule a v, uh, reschedule a VA claim. And it, one of the reasons why they want you to do it before you get out is because your command should give you the opportunity to take care of these claims. Because when you get out and you start working for, you know, XYZ organization, they're not going to give you time off to do this. You know, unless you work for the government in a, in a government as a GS uh, civil service, they have a new law. They have a clause in there that they have to allow you to do these exams. But if you're working for Bank of America or if you're working for a civilian corporation, they don't have to allow you to do anything. They, they don't have they can say, no, sorry, you need to be at work. Yeah. The one the one thing you have, do, you do have flexibility in that I have seen while you're doing your claim. Let's say you're doing a skill bridge or you have. Yeah. Massive amounts of terminal leave left. Yep. Primarily to apply to Skillbridge type folks or or whatever. You can tell them when you submit your claim, I'm going to be at this this zip code during my 45 days, and they will accommodate you to get your appointments done as best they can within that zip code or that area in which you're going to go. But I mean, like you said, you're probably better off not going to the northern remotes of Alaska for your uh, right. 45 days there, your probably best bet is to like hang out in the fleet concentration areas, especially because even in my uh, separation or my, my uh, VA uh, claim, I had to go all the way to Richmond to do a gastro, you know, barium, whatever for a hernia thing that I was claiming in GERD. So I had to go all the way up to, you know, drive an hour and a half away which by the way, you don't get travel if you're active duty and you're doing yeah. that. So that's, if you're a separated, if you're under the VA system, you can actually claim, like I go to the dentist, I get $8 and 94 cents that they reimburse me for travel to go to my appointments up in Hampton. So, but you have to be separated or retired in the system to get that. So, but if you're active duty, if, if you have a, uh, mental health appointments five hours away grab listen to this podcast on your way there and get formed on it or something like that because right. you got time to burn and money so yeah. yeah that's the only real flexibility i think you have they will work on your scheduling a, a little bit they can see where all your schedule or all your appointments are racked and stacked on there so i didn't have any conflict i think i had eight or nine appointments in total and then some folks, like I'm sure you've seen in your time doing this, even after you separate, even after they've slapped the table, there are still some follow-on subsequent um, appointments in the VA system just to nail things down or to see if they can improve your condition, so right. on and so forth. Not everybody's going to get the stamp permanent and total, total and permanent. I, I've seen it both ways, but uh, when you're when you're done and you're you're done, you know, uh, but. Yeah, I think I just want to throw that in there as a yeah, caveat no, for people to think about. Absolutely. And uh, I've seen it happen where, uh, you know, there's people that say, hey, I'm not staying in the area. I'm going on terminal leave. 
and uh, we've worked with the VSOs and worked with the VA to get all their exams done in Florida. Um, but like you said, it's, it's definitely not, if you're moving now, here's the deal. There's a lot of people that are moving overseas, you know, that, that want to move to South America, Europe, they got jobs or they just, Hey, you know, their families from the Philippines or they just, they're, you know, they just want to move. They want to be expats. Uh, you want to make sure that you have your VA claim done before you leave the country. So I'll say that because there, I have had incidents where people are saying, Jose, I'm, 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 I'm moving back to, uh, to Argentina. And I'm like, okay, well, you need to make sure that before you go to Argentina, uh, you get it. You're, you need to be here for the next 45 days to get your VA claims done and provide a good address. So, yeah, so, and, uh, in doing that too, you're going to get the, are you, I don't know if you're probably make it ahead of things, but mm -hmm. the DBQs, the, uh, yep. the questionnaires, mm -hmm. that's another one of those things where it, you, uh, it's, it's crap in, crap out. So right. you're going to get a DBQ for, like each specialist you go to, if you go see an audiologist, you're going to get a DBQ for that. If you go see a dentist for in my case, TMJ, you're going to get a DBQ for that. You're mm -hmm. going to have the gen med DBQ. You're going to have the TP, the TBI PTSD DBQ. I've, I've talked to many people, include Earl. Earl and I had a long conversation about this over lunch one day. It's critical that you put your due diligence in that. And then you also make copies of it. Don't make the mistake like I did, but you know, you look at a CFR 38, and that is a maze in which to navigate when you're <laughs> filling out these things. What I told Earl was, there, you know, Google's a, a great thing. And a lot of these disability lawyers throughout the United States have really framed some of these uh, conditions in a much more palatable way for us to look at and find if you put, if you put VA disability claim GERD a lot of times you know Smith and Johnson's disability lawyer firm will come up in Google searches because they figured the algorithm to get their name up there first instead of the VA take advantage of that because they've laid it out a lot more simple you know when you're looking at that certain type of in each condition that you're claiming understand the way the CFR 38 is written not to game the system, but understand how the, how the game is played, you know, because you have to still look at these things as if it's the worst day. And on my worst day, how does this condition affect my diet, pain level? Uh, what are my treatments for it that I'm currently under? Those types of things. And you need to understand the thresholds that are within the CFR 38 to understand, to articulate it. Don't cut and paste off the exam. But what you're doing is you're framing your condition so it really helps the examiner and the way they push that information forward for decision later on. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, no, thanks for doing that because I was going to discuss DBQs here in a second. Um, and so that's a really good way to explain it. You know, the, there's some providers that will do them for you. Um, there's some providers that will not do them for you. Uh, and then there's providers that, yeah, you know, there's organizations that will, that will do them, uh, but they'll, they can cost, I've seen a, a DBQ cost someone out of pocket, uh, if you're going to, if you want to pay for it up to $1,200 to do a DBQ. Wow. So I've seen that different organizations. So just be weary of that, you know, so. So those are some of the things. So, uh, and we're going to come back to this because I think that's an important topic to discuss as far as the DBQs. And also I want to discuss a, a nexus letter 
And those two things go kind of hand in hand. So I, I want to go into that here a little bit too. So, um, so here's, here's some things that exclude you from submitting a BDD claim. So we've talked about how to submit a BDD claim. So in what instances can I not submit a BDD claim? Well, we know if it's your under 90 days, you can't do it. Other instances, if you are seriously ill or injured, you, you, don't, uh, you can't do it. You, uh, it says service members who do not meet requirements above or who are seriously ill or injured, lost a body part, or terminally ill. Uh, directly from the VA website. Uh, claims requiring a VA exam in foreign countries. So if you're located, you know, uh, except, you know, so if you're in uh, Africa, you're not going to be able to do it there. If you're in Australia, you can't do it there. However, if you're in Launchstool, Germany, or Camp Humphreys, Korea, you can do VA claims there. Um, if you're awaiting discharge from a VA hospital or military treatment facility, you won't be eligible to do a BDD claim. Uh, claims for pregnant service members and claims that require a character of discharge determination. So those are things that don't make you eligible, uh, ineligible for BDD claims, right? And so it's just important that you that you understand that. So the next thing, once you understand what the BDD claims are and how to do that, we have to understand what forms the VSO is going to use. A lot of people don't pay attention to these forms because the VSO is doing them for you. And so you don't think twice of it. You trust the person, right? Trust, but verify, right? Remember, a lot of us live by that, trust, but verify. So the forms that you specifically need, I'm not going to go over every form, but I'll give you the form number. Uh, the, the, the form is VA form 21526EZ. This is needed for the initial BDD claim. This is your initial application for your VA claim. Everyone that filed a VA claim filled this form out. Before you left that office, the VSO should have put a red stamp on the top page of that form, which then, which you should keep, don't throw it away or don't lose it like I did. And then you don't know when your VA claim started. Uh, and that red stamp tells you, okay, it was date stamped on this day. This is the day that I have to give people when they say, when was your VA claim filed? So on that initial form, there's a section where you fill out all your demographics, you fill out the whole form. And then there's a section in there where you list your conditions. Uh, some of us have more than 20 conditions. There's only enough space to put 20 conditions there. Uh, and there's a form that you can use to add conditions. And that form is the VA form 214138, which is statement in support of claim. So if you have more than 20 conditions, the remain the other 20 that you have, if you have 40, then, you know, you go one through 20 on the initial form, and then you go 21 through 40 on the, on, on the statement in support of claim form. Or if you have other statements to support your claim for service connection, you would use this form, the 214138 statement of support claim. Uh, and then lastly, the other form that they have you fill out is the dependent form. That's where you add or remove your dependents. That's where you're going to put all your, your current marriage, current uh, children, whether it's stepchildren, adopted children, biological children. And then you are going to also add, um, if you've been divorced, uh, or married in the past, uh, prior marriages you put on there because the VA is going to take that all into account and they're going to make sure that the benefits are going to the right person and, and an ex-husband or ex-wife doesn't show up claiming claiming your benefits after you've passed away. A lot of people, I think, don't know either that your claim, your, your monetary compensation is based on dependents. If your parents live with you, 
Mm -hmm. how old your kids are. So if mm -hmm. your kids are above the age of 18, there's a certain, if you get a, uh, a certain compensation, if they're below 18, if they're above 18, then you need to tell the VA that, Hey, my kid is still a senior, still residing in my house, mm -hmm. still attending high school. Like they're not in the university setting because when they go to university setting and they're in college, that's a different compensation that you right. can still maintain until they're, I think the age of 26, I could be wrong on that, but it's actually more while they're in college, I believe, than it is if they're living in your, in your household. So be very diligent about that when that time comes and your kids transform to adulthood per the, the legal ages of, you know, the United States, make sure you stay on top of it because there's money to be lost there if you're not aware of it, or there's going to be money that you pay back if your kid just let's say they follow in our footsteps and they go into the military. Right. So the, so yes, uh, because that's also going to pay dividends if you're hundred percent permanent in total, because then if your if your dependents are listed on your, on your VA file and e-benefits, then you have other benefits, right? Dependent education assistance in which your spouse or your kids uh, will have their education paid for to a certain extent from, uh, from the VA, right? But if they're not on that 686 and they're not recognized by the VA, they may not be able to take advantage of that program of dependent education assistance. So it's very important that you have that updated and accurately. So. And one of the good things about that, because I'm actually, it's funny you mentioned that, like I was literally reading through this uh, yesterday, the dependent educational assistance program. Um, that so like in Virginia, you know, I think it's 90% permanent in total or higher. Your kids can just about go to school in state for free. Yeah. Um, that doesn't apply to stepkids uh, unless you've adopted them hmm. with the, the D the dependents in educational assistance program. They, they're included in that as long as you have them listed as a dependent, uh, you know, under your VA disability claim. Right. So that's, yeah, that's that's something to look at. Yeah, and, and it's you know a lot of people worry about education for their for their kids because they've used up their GI bill or they can't transfer the GI bill or they forgot to transfer the GI bill before they got out, and, and now they're like, man, you know, my kid wants to go to Harvard, I can't afford a hundred grand a year. Uh, yeah, but in some cases, the D the this program um, will help offset some of that cost. I don't know if they'll help pay for for Harvard, but they will definitely help pay for an education to a certain extent, right? Yeah. You well, know, that's, so that's that's an important thing because you look at the cost of education is outpacing inflation by about three hundred percent over the last twenty plus years. Maybe not just this last year. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's an important thing. So unless you're, you know, following Nancy Pelosi for financial advice or investment <laughs> advice, you better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You better look at every benefit that you can take advantage of to help pay for that. So so, uh, you know, the questions I get asked is um, I'm active duty and I got asked this on LinkedIn the other day. I think it was Jer Jeremy. I think is this guy, that guy's name that reached out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah, he wanted to know, um, how do I get my conditions annotated in my record? Well, if you're active duty, you need to schedule an appointment with your primary care provider and make sure that you're going in to, to write down these, uh, these aches and pains that you're having. Even if, you know, uh, even if that ache and pain, let's say it's my right knee, I banged it up, you know, uh, you know, two, two deployment cycles ago or two tours ago, two 
duty station to go and I just never went to medical. Uh, but it, it bothers me. It clicks, it pops, it swells up every now and then. I take some Motrin, but it never really goes away kind of injury. Um, it's never too late going to medical. Say, hey, doc, I, I, my left knee hurts. Uh, when I was when I was uh, deployed in X country for, for this unit, you know, uh, I, I was doing a training or I was doing fast roping or I was just going up a flight of stairs and, and slipped and fell and cracked my knee. And, and ever since then, it's been hurting. You want to get that annotated, right? But it's not enough to just get it annotated. You have to get a formal diagnosis. So here's, here's where their nuances begin. And this is where people run into issues with service connection for their medical conditions. You have to tie a diagnosis, right? In most cases. So you have to have a medical diagnosis so that when you look at the CFR and it says lumbago, that's back pain. You know, that's a formal diagnosis. You know, it's not enough to just say low back pain. Or it's not enough to just say, Jose, you have left knee pain. Okay. That comes in many forms. I could have left knee pain because I have an ACL tear, because I have a MCL tear, an LCL tear, because I have um, a meniscal tear, because I have a patellar fracture. So which is it? What's causing the knee pain? The knee pain is a symptom, not a diagnosis. And yes, something with that too, because I know like, you know, maybe some other people listening to us have had that same thing. I've heard some of these, you know, the, the guys in medical when I was active duty, they walk around and say, you better not come see me before you're retired. Just, you know, pad your record because I'm not going to do it. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, you guys know I was an IDC for over 10 years, independent <clears throat> duty foreman for those that were not in the, in the Navy. As an IDC, you know, we, we did, we were the providers for you guys, you know, when there was no doc, no PA, we were it. And, and, and I can tell you where that stigma came from uh, and why we had that attitude sometimes. It's because guys don't understand, guys and gals wouldn't understand. They want to come to us for, uh, for sick call for a 20 minute visit and they want to give us 10 things to go over. Hey, doc, uh, I need to come see you. Uh, okay, so you're sitting in front of me. What's going on, dude? Hey, I got knee pain and back pain and, sh- and shoulder pain and elbow pain and ankle pain and, and my throat hurts and this, that. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. One at a time. Each of those requires a workup, which is going to take longer than 20 minutes. I don't have 20 minutes to, and I'm going to do you an injustice if I try to try to write down the 10 things that are wrong with you in a 20-minute visit. So- yeah. I think that's a lot of that is where that came from. And also a lot of it is, is culture and we need to break that culture. So um, I hope I never do that to anybody, but yeah, I, I, yes. I, yeah. It, it is part of that culture. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where there's responsibility on both sides, right? Yeah. Where if it's really serious, then you need to mm-hmm. take the time mm-hmm. to actually go have that stuff properly diagnosed, not just go in and say, Hey, can you just put this in my medical record? Right. Or, or what, what you we used to do, PA medicine. You remember that? You know, you, you, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would do that. You know, uh, I would do that a lot. And, and where guys would come by and be like, hey, doc, I got, I got this issue. Uh, I got the back pain. You know, I heard it. I heard it yesterday, fast roping. Okay, right on. I'll write a note on it. You know, and then I just write, scribble a note, put it in your record. Back pains, fast roping. But I didn't really, but, you know, it, it, you know, we didn't really take the time or we say, hey, I'm going to write something on it and then come see me later so I can really do a good note. And then we never do it. 
because we get sidetracked, you go and leave, you go on another training cycle, or we just never do it and it's never really properly annotated. Yeah. So that is the annotation of the stuff. Make sure that when you are active duty prior to separating, you don't want to start just two months before you decide to get out and just start going to the doctor. I tell people two years before, if you know you're retiring, if you know this is your last tour, if you know that this is your separating, uh, you start as early as possible. Two years may not be possible for some people, but you want to start going at least every month, go see your doc. Hey, doc, I got back pain. Hey, doc, shoulder pain. Hey, knee pain. Hey, this. Hey, that. So then that way, not only do they have it annotated in your medical note, but also that leads to workup. That back pain may lead to an x-ray of your back, which may lead to an MRI, which may lead to, oh, shit, you got, you got, a, uh, you got a herniated disc. That knee pain, same thing. Leads to an x-ray, leads to an MRI. Oh, you got an ACL tear. Or that GI issue leads to a scan. Oh, you got a GI bleed. Oh, you got Crohn's disease. Oh, you got ulcerative colitis. Oh, you got polyps in your colon. Colon cancer. <laughs> you got esophageal cancer. Right. I yeah. had, you know, and here's, here's, a, here's, here's a real world example. I had an a, a, a operator who always had a cough. Always had a cough. And I noticed it. I was at IDC at the time. I'm looking at this guy who would always cough. He was, he was getting out. He was not retiring. He was getting out. And he would cough. He would, every time I saw him, cough, 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 cough. I'm like, dude, have you ever checked that cough out? No, man, it's just a regular cough. I'm like, no, I don't think that's a regular cough. And and, and, and long story short, not to belabor the point, but he went to, I, I forced him to come see me. I forced him to get a consult to, to uh, the ear, nose, and throat, and GI. And sure enough, he had esophageal cancer. And that's yeah. one of the symptoms of esophageal cancer, a constant cough. Yeah. And well, so, then, had he not done that because you neglect your care, had he not done that, he would have gotten out, right? He would have never had that put in his VA claim, and he probably would have had V. He probably passed away because of yeah. the or he lost his voice. Well, that's uh, stuff like that too. Like I know uh, a good buddy of mine, team guy that retired, that literally like his last two years of his career, he was he had to have like his uh, vertebrae, uh, what do they call <laughs> that, fused? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, he spent two years on that. One thing I will say with this, because we're talking about this stuff right now, we know it's always like a, a big deal. You hear a lot of vets say this. When you look at, especially for guys that are retiring, looking at things like qualifying for life insurance before you retire, um, I know you're saying two years. Typically, that's when I tell people to like look at life insurance. I hear some people say, oh, no, just do it six months out. I'm like, yeah, you obviously have never worked in and around life insurance before, uh, you know, look at two years out, get an idea before you get all those diagnoses and stuff like that. If you're going to start two years out, go, guess what? Go back two and a half years and start looking at, at life insurance and things like that, because that's, you know, the more stuff that they see in your record, uh, you know, that that's going to affect their decision as far as like what they might offer you for, for that. When you, when the time comes. Um, so let's go all, all super important points. And then that, I think that culminates in, 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 in what happens when we have a lot of veterans on the podcast that probably listen to your podcast that, that are out of the military that have never filed a BDD claim. And they're like Jose or, or Trevor um, what, what do we do now? You know, or wh whoever they talk to, right? What do we do now? 
how do we file my VA claim? Well, the process is the same. Uh, you may not file in the BDD claim, but you will use the same forms. You have to go to a VSO. Uh, you can do it online yourself, but understand that if you do it online, it's called a fully developed claim. And if you do a FDC, a fully developed claim, the way I understand it is that you will, once you submit that fully developed claim, that's it. There's no more evidence that you can submit. You're saying to the VA, you have everything that I have. There's nothing more that you need to, to make a decision. So I would rather you go to a VSO and, and that's someone that's probably been doing this more than you have if you've never done a VA claim and sit down with them. So you don't do a fully developed claim. You know, and if you look at the form, there is an option on the 526EZ that says what type of claim you want to do. And you can either mark fully the claim for FDC or not. So be pay attention. Pay attention to that stuff. So then so then you're out and, and you're filling out these forms and you have to do the 526EZ and you're doing the 686 dependent form. And now you're having to submit all this support of claim forms. And then we get to what Mike was saying was about the, the DBQs, right? Or you get to the nexus letter. And a lot of people are like, what the hell is a DBQ? Well, the VA has a nice website and you can pull up every DBQ that you ever want for every condition that you have. And you can print those out and sure, you can bounce it off the CFR and you can try to fill it out the best you can or you take it to a doctor that will fill that is willing to fill that out with you uh, just know that that's not going to be a 20-minute appointment. You're going to have to book two slots with that doctor to fill some of those DBQs out. The nexus letter, right? And and I defined this on the LinkedIn the other day when when uh, when you asked about that question. I mentioned that nexus letter. Um, so what is a nexus letter? Why do you need it? And why? In what circumstance would someone recommend a nexus letter to you? So. I had one done for me because of my kidney issues that were non-service connected. And um, the VA, VSO that I'm working with said, Jose, we need a nexus letter. The nexus letter, it's a nexus event. A nexus event is when that, when that condition or illness first occurred. What was the date stamp? What was the, what was the incident? What was the mechanism of injury that caused that incident? That's your nexus event. So the nexus letter establishes that it connects your illness injury to that to that service related um, um, incident that occurred, right? So it, it 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 notifies the VA that a provider looked through your military record. They verified that yes, your left knee injury was incurred due a due to a service connected action, right? And so they write nexus letter. They write that nexus letter with their, with their letterhead on top, their name, all that stuff. If you were to Google nexus letter, you're going to type, you're going to find all kinds of samples regarding nexus letters all over the internet. Sounds like somebody's really enthralled with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my four month old. He's, he's letting me know that, uh, yeah, he's tired. He's probably tired. So I know one of the things I was going to talk about that life insurance, because I think that's absolutely critical. One of the other things I've seen during this whole process is people have asked me, hey, in the VA claim, the same as a separation physical and this separation physical, the same as your VA claim. No, completely. That's church and state, man. Completely separate things. 
I, I had to do, I did my VA claim first and then I did, I was told at the time, no earlier than 90 days out from your retirement date. I don't know if that's true across the board everywhere, but it was where I was working at the time. So I did my claim first at, I started mine right near the 180 day mark. I think all my appointments were done at least by the 120. And then I later on went in and did my separation retirement physical. And then that, that added more things, didn't add anything more to my VA claim, but it added, I had to get another record because that's another, it, I just added that in addition to what I maintain for my files at my house with regards to medical stuff. Cause there were some things that she discovered even during my retirement physical that I hadn't really even thought of that I could have used later on if I had needed to, to add in addition to my claim. So that's just something to keep in mind that I think some people are a little bit can be misinformed or just don't have any idea that they are completely two separate things. They serve completely two separate purposes, but like Trevor said earlier, you need to definitely get to the left of of boom when it regards to filing or trying to find your, you know, what your life insurance, what direction you're going to go with regards to that, because you can severely complicate and make yourself a lot more expensive if you procrastinate and wait till the last minute to either do that or you're not going to get any at all. And you're going to be stuck with SBP, which is works for some people, but not for a lot. Right. Yeah. So, so those are, I mean, you, when you look at all the VA claim stuff, uh, you know, obviously this, this, you could probably do a four hour block of VA claim and, and just ask all types of questions about the VA claim process. I think this is, uh, this is, you know, this is a good start because you, you have to understand what the BDD claim for those that are active duty, separating and retiring. Um, you know, the requirements, you know, what forms you need. We talked about those, you know, that if you're retired or separated, you could still file your VA claim. Um, you won't be eligible for the BDD claim, but you still will use the same forms. You may need to provide additional information that connects your injury to this, your service years, right? In the form of a nexus letter, in the form of a DBQ, sometimes both, sometimes one. You know, bottom line, I think the message here is to make sure that you are, if you are in the service and you are listening to this and, and you are getting ready to separate or retire, you need to be on top of it and you need to go under the BDD. Because yeah. if not, you're going to be like most of us that are going to be out of the military, then filing your claim, then waiting six months, a year or more, like Mike was saying because you get busy, life gets in the way, and then 10 years goes by and you still haven't filed a VA claim. One, One of the things too I want to point out is if you go out and you shop mm -hmm. around and you find a VSO, and let's say you walk in the first VSO office and it's organization X, and they're not, you're uncomfortable with the way they're handling things or you have a bad feeling about it or whatever, you do not have to ride that out until your stuff goes in, you know, you don't have to ride that airplane into the ground, mm -hmm. go find, you can, you can easily, I won't say fire because you never really hired them. They're not yours to hire and fire, but you can go seek advocacy elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So you are not tied into just that one person. If you don't feel good with them, if you don't feel that they're the paces on point to what you expect, now don't be an asshole about it either. 
but because these people are dealing with a lot of different people, mm-hmm. you can shop around if you need to. So, uh, you know, don't don't go. Well, I just had a crappy VSO, and use that as your, your excuse for, you know, you got ten percent, and I just had a crappy VSO. Well, no, that's some of it's on you, because you need to recognize that you had somebody that you probably in the back of your mind like, uh, I don't think so. The other thing is we had a guy that used to work with me that was in the EOD community, called me up and asked me about another retirement issue he was having. And then I asked him about, has he filed his, his claim yet? And he said, no, he's talking to some guy up where he was working at outside the fleet concentration areas, outside the, you know, the EOD, especially EOD NSW areas. And this guy says, no, nah, man, don't worry about it. Just, just wait until you retire. And then I'll do it, which that dude is fishing. He is fishing to get business, to do disability stuff so he, they can get paid for it. That, that I shopped it around to a mutual friend of ours and said, Hey, have you ever heard of anybody ever recommending that you wait until you retire to file the claim? Absolutely not. That is complete misinformation. And it's BS. And I thought it was made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. This guy's a, uh, you know, I've known him my entire EOD career. Uh, and I, and I fortunately got him uh, set straight and his stuff is good to go, but you know, ask around, don't be the person in the vacuum. Uh, you're not, you don't have to ride this, you know, we're, we're here to answer the questions, reach out, ask us, you know, you see me on, I see guys on base all the time now, especially since I'm working back on little mm-hmm. Creek, they'll ask me, I mean, the funny thing is they don't ask me anything about like my previous life of being the EOD command master chief. They asked me uh, a ton about what we say on this podcast and, and the other things that spin off from that. So trying to find them within our networks that we've developed, getting them pointed in the right direction to get the right answers to, mm-hmm. to get them what they need. <laughs> that scenario you were just talking about, just like to me screams like, no, nah, man, I got some candy in the van. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, come on in, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's a- Jose. I know, I know we, we've, uh, we talked about a lot today. I know we've been going mm-hmm. for a while, but I think I still feel like there's probably a lot more to unpack with this. So I think maybe this, this episode requires a part two, because there's some other stuff that I wanted to get in, not just BDD, but what about after BDD and, you know, how do you, uh, cause we had this before, what if you need to amend claims or, or dispute them or, or things like that. And so I think that would probably be a good topic to do on a next episode. Cause that one, now you can go even further down the rabbit hole on that. Yes. Uh, I, I agree because, you know, I was trying, I'm trying to pull this up here, uh, <clears throat> uh for you guys because there is a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think this and, process and is probably can, one of the most important things you're going to go through during your separation or retirement. Is this process? Yeah, yeah it's it, it's critical to have your D two fourteen squared away. And I'm guilty. I need to submit a D two fifteen to correct some shit online, but I'll get there. Um, but it's not. It's minor, and it would only affect me if I got a government job. Still, so, well, this last- is extremely important. The last time I checked your first episode that you did with us was like mm-hmm. the most listened to episode that we had. So uh, <laughs> that was what this was about. So yeah. I definitely think 
let's let's reconvene this mm-hmm. and and dive deeper into that stuff on another episode we'll just we'll add another episode to the yeah. season we <laughs> we know the guys who control the yeah luckily i know i know scheduling. a guy that knows a guy my yeah. people after your people that's awesome so well hey we you know i like i said i know we've just been going for a while um but uh i wanted to thank you for taking the time i know it's been a while we've had a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know i know mike's mike's working now I know you've been doing stuff. I've been doing a ton of shit. Uh, that Alaska thing Mike talked about, having just come back from Alaska, I can verify there is nothing out there. Um, <laughs> well, there is stuff out there. It's just not yeah. things that would be good for your VA claim. But right. yeah, I know we've got a ton of stuff going. Um, and we'll, we'll get back into this uh, in our next episode, which hopefully we'll be able to record that soon as well so yeah so i think uh you know like i said thanks thanks again for letting me do this um a bit of good news uh there is maybe a possibility of me moving back to virginia oh nice depending if the job offer comes through or not so i may be located right back in virginia um with with you guys and so that's really good and then as a segue to the next topic that we could go over for va claims if this sounds good to you guys um you know uh everyone has their top 10 list. We can do a top 10 kind of VA disability claims explained. So we can go over and there's plenty of this in front. I can use one example, you know, and we can go over the top 10 items that I think um, that, that I think would be good topic of conversation, you know, just to, you know, like number one, mental health, number two, sleep apnea, number three, chronic fatigue syndrome, number four, migraines. So that'd be something that maybe we can look into. Oh yeah. I like that 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 would be good too because now you're getting very specific i mean that's what people want to know they want to know more specific shit especially if it applies to them and uh you you know we'll see what happens here in the future but uh you know along with all my stuff there at at us vet wealth and military money mistakes i've been getting into video too so maybe one of these days you guys can look at our ugly mugs on some some videos if if everybody's if especially if you're there too but um yeah, uh, you know, again, too, appreciate you you taking the time to chat with us. I know this is something, you know, Mike and I were talking about this. We're like, damn, dude, it's just been so busy. It's it's hard to get that get into there. But I think now that we're both, you know, the waters have kind of settled down. Maybe we can get into more regular recording uh, mm-hmm. sessions and um, and you know just have more get back to our regular output before because i kind of felt bad like i've had a lot of guys be like dude i haven't heard any new episodes of your podcast lately and i'm like sorry man like life happens <laughs> so yeah yeah but yeah well again too we'll appreciate it and we'll mm-hmm. look forward to uh, having you ellen again and and getting more in depth into the va claim so appreciate your time and appreciate everybody who's listening and Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet.